Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, if you will, Google Play Music, and even the new Google Podcasts app, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on location here in Nashville at the 2018 Summer NAM Show, my guest is originally from the thriving music mecca of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and now lives here in Music City. She is a pop, indie, folk, singer-songwriter, and guitarist, and wow, huge, huge success on YouTube that you'll be hearing about as we go along, and similarly, impressive numbers on Spotify as well, and boy, oh boy, has she been logging a lot of miles in the last 14 months alone. She's been all around the country, and we'll hear her talk about that during today's interview as well. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Only Us. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Megan Davies. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for making time to do this. I know this is a, a hectic time here at Summer Nam. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is very fun. It's um, it's always fun when this, this whole production kind of comes in town. There's all the best companies, all the technology and guitar companies. It's really cool. Indeed. Before we get too far into things, we were just playing your song, Only Us. Tell the listeners all about that song. Um, so Only Us was originally just an acoustic guitar um, vocal song that I was touring with. Um, I think the acoustic version's out there, released as well. But um, yeah, I, I for a long time, I kind of just envisioned all my songs just as acoustic vocal, just because mm. that's how I toured. And it's honestly the most economical way to tour um so i I had that acoustic version and i linked up with two producers here in nashville um who i met at a party and one of whom was an amazing violinist and um also guitar player and we made the whole production actually and um in their house so it was uh (laughs) You know, it was, it was a fun project, but it was definitely, uh, it was homemade, so it was cool. Just talk about what the song is about, and then I do have a follow-up question to what you just said, though. Yeah, totally. Um, so Only Us, it's, it's a song about, you know, kind of living a different lifestyle. And I, I think when I graduated college, um, I, I saw a lot of my friends kind of going through the same same things, like getting married and... and um, buying a house, you know, looking you know, like to have children at some point and 2.5 children, white yeah, picket exactly. fence, minivan in the driveway, soccer every Ex- Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, my life was definitely not going like that and it kind of from my choosing too. So it's, it's not in a way it's, it's not supposed to be a sad song really. It's, it's, um, just kind of embracing the fact that I'm doing things differently and uh, living my life differently. And, um, you know, I'm happy with that. So, so back to what you were saying about you started off thinking everything was just going to be acoustic, and then yeah. you, meet, you meet up with these folks and you say we're going to do full productions on it. Was there any kind of, I don't want to say anxiety, but you have to go through a appearance of, of, of acceptance where you say, okay, this is different. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to be acoustic after all. Just mm-hmm. kind of talk about that mindset. Uh, yeah, it's it's honestly been you know, it's been a creative challenge just because I've, I have built this whole online following that was acoustic 
for acoustic music, um, mainly because that's what I could do on my own. So everything up until probably like a year and a half ago, I produced by myself. I mixed, I engineered, mastered it. Like there wasn't really any overhead costs outside of investing in gear when I made money. I would just, you know, upgrade my microphone and things like that. So, um, yeah, I it was just me. It was a one one woman show, I guess you could say. Um, and then when you get into more full production stuff, you you do it's it's a collaboration between other people. I mean, I'm I engineer my acoustic work, but at the end of the day, I'm definitely not an, like a engineer. There's there's much better engineers in town here in Nashville, um, and it's been amazing to start exploring that collaboration idea of, of collaborating with a producer that's not myself, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's hard, but I've, it's been really rewarding too, to see what other people can bring to the music that I'm writing. But eventually later on in the, in the show, we're going to talk about, I mentioned in the intro that you've been playing literally all over the country, mm-hmm. but are those, are those acoustic shows only? Yeah, they were, um, pretty much just me and acoustic guitar up until, um, this past year well and least, the reason yeah. that i ask is because on last week's show with gg rich mm-hmm. we actually talked about something off the air which is when you're doing great stuff in the studio and then you stop yourself to say wait a minute can i reproduce this live mm-hmm. in a way that's going to come close enough that it's a business and you want it to translate to sales and, and i've always yeah. talked about how rush is my all-time favorite band and mm-hmm. rush has been amazing at having that vision to say look we've gotten really carried away over the years Mm -hmm. but we still want to make sure that there's songs that we don't get to a point where we say we can't do that we can't possibly do that song live right so in in changing over from being an acoustic artist Mm -hmm. and now that you are working with other people in production is that something that you've had to keep in mind is well wait a minute i'm going out and doing basically acoustic shows around the country i gotta make sure these carry over honestly I, 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 my personal like opinion is like, I'm not super concerned with it because for me, I think the studio has become its own art form and the the live show has become a separate thing. Um, and I, I tell this whenever, you know, to my band members or whoever's playing with me, you know, I'm, I don't want to recreate what we did in the studio. Like, I don't want them to stick to the exact baseline that you know, the bass player in the studio did. Um, I want to make something different and give people who are coming to the live songs or the live shows a different experience. And I think, um, you know, like if a lot of pop artists, cause pop is probably the hardest to recreate live because let's be honest, some of those songs have, you know, 200 plus yeah, tracks so in logic. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people do resort to playing tracks on, um, on like Ableton and, you know, I've definitely, done that played around with it um for me i just i like to look at what i have i mean i i write every song um on an acoustic guitar basically so you know it might be a different arrangement and in in terms of last night the show that we played um we had an electronic drummer so he had drum Mm -hmm, pads mm -hmm. and he was switching between different samples and stuff for different songs to kind of give him a different feel and then we had um yeah i raised an eyebrow once or twice and was kind of trying to look around the people in front of me to say wait a minute is there, is there a bass drum up there that I don't see? Is something blocking no, my view? Yeah, How's he, he doing that? We, uh, in rehearsal, we went through every song and we actually picked samples that fit the song best. And um, he's, you know, he's a really cool. Uh, he also plays, you know, just normal acoustic drums mm-hmm. as well. But um, he's very creative when it comes to that. But I like this. I like this mindset of yours because mm-hmm. 
this is a, a bizarre analogy, but in a former life, I worked in pro sports. Mm-hmm. And sitting in the press box one night, the PR guy says to me, tongue-in-cheek, he says, Bruce, have you ever seen a game exactly like this one? Yeah. And I thought to myself, I get what he's saying. Like, mm-hmm. you could say, yeah, the, the couple of weeks ago when they beat Boston, it's like, yeah, but it wasn't exactly that game. And so you're saying that right. you are being mindful of the people who are paying the money and mm-hmm. giving up their night to come out for a couple hours yeah. and see Megan Davies live, that you don't want them to hear the song the exact same way that you played it last week or last month or last year. Right. And I like that. Yeah, and, I, you know, I always make the analogy to, um, like, movies and, like, plays or Broadway performances. There's something very special about seeing a live performance of something that's you can't capture on film you know exactly and and then there's something beautiful about the movies like you know when you have a cinematographer and a professional makeup person and you're chasing this like perfection i think it's it's similar nowadays in the studio you know you're chasing this perfection where you can do a million takes of things and get it perfect and it's become its own art form and even when you decide not to tune something you know it's still a very much a calculated decision um whereas live there you don't think about that it's just it is what it is and you you're creating this connection with people and um so yeah i haven't um and my management might answer this differently but um (laughs) i don't i i really don't feel like this immense pressure to recreate whatever i do in the studio live you know i'm i'm just kind of i want to create a moment and I, i have faith that like my um identity as an artist carries through in both platforms so well and you know last night uh, you were joking on stage about tuning your guitar but but mm-hmm. i thought well she's not making sure that every she's probably changing to like drop d or to whatever yeah and 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 even that in itself you know i, I i've talked before about people who just pick up the guitar and are self-taught and yet here's someone that you graduated from Belmont. You studied songwriting and classical guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, th- I have an appreciation for that. I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, okay, this is someone who's up there like, haha, she's making a joke about the tuning, but yeah. it's because you are s- so classically oh, yeah. trained and so per- <laughs> precise about I hate, it. That it's like one of my pet peeves is when I start a song and I'm like, it's slightly out of tune, but not enough that you would stop. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to like, listen to this <laughs> but do, but do i recall correctly last night when you were talking mm-hmm. on stage did you say that you were in a class of 50 and there were only you and one other female yes yeah there? and so did mm-hmm. that was that even a thing then or was it like i don't care if there's 50 women in mm-hmm. here or if i'm the only the bottom line is i'm here to learn classical guitar that's all that really matters yeah i mean that's the perspective you try to take i, I mean it's hard not to notice it um Honestly, in high school, when I, I, I mean, I knew I wanted to study guitar um, probably since ninth grade. Like, I, I was determined to go to school for music. Um, I was pretty set in my ways. And I went to a performing arts school in high school, and there were a lot of girl guitar players. Um, I had one of my favorite guitar players growing up, Khaki King, you know, incredible female instrumentalist. Um, you know, so I don't think it totally hit me until I came to Nashville and I, I entered that program. Um, said, Wait a minute, where did all the girls from high school go? Yeah, I, re- I, <laughs> I really never felt her. it. Uh, I never felt it and until then. And um, and I have to say, um, you know, I, 
the majority of like men I've worked with and, and met through that program, I mean, I didn't have any like terrible sexist experiences, but you sure, do, sure. you see it like, and, um, you know, so now it, it, it is important to me when, when someone's you know, like has like a little girl and they're like, Oh, she, you know, she wants to start guitar lessons cause she saw how you play or something. And I, I feel it, it, it touches me like deeply. Like I'm, I think, um, it's, it's nice to, to think that I'm, you know, that, that there are young girls that can, um, feel inspired the way that I felt inspired and not feel like, oh, this isn't a female thing to be, to play guitar. But do you think that because you studied songwriting and classical guitar at Belmont, do you think that you're more inclined to write more, that your chord progressions will be a lot different from the guy or the gal who just picks up a guitar and just kind of finds their way through it and is in plays well enough to get mm-hmm. themselves through it but are, are we going to see someone like that probably playing the same four chords over and over whereas yours are going to be more complex yeah i mean i think it's a part of my musical dna at this point um so i, I for sure i I'm, it affects like certain creative decisions that I make when I write um, in the same way that living in Nashville does in the same way that growing up in Pennsylvania does. I think, you know, as artists, we're kind of just this mix of our influences and where we come from and our experiences and our teachers, even like I had a teacher that was really into experimental guitar when I was younger, uh-huh. um, you know, and you know, hence khaki King, he was the one who introduced me. So, you know, I, I definitely think it influences me. I don't think it, makes me any more like like any better necessarily than any other songwriter in town i just think i have you know it's just a part of my dna i think it's what makes me sort of different so did you leave harrisburg because of belmont university and and thus you know it's a natural that you're going to stay in nashville or what what Mm -hmm. so i actually um i had my heart set on new york city that was Ah. when i was in high school i loved new york city um Pennsylvania is not too far from New York as well. So that was really the only of the music city capitals. That was the only one I had been to. And I loved the, just the culture of the city. I just, if I wanted was, to be a part of it. If this was a video podcast, we'd like, we'd do this like tongue in cheek thing now where we put a graphic <laughs> up on the screen that would show like a map of the U S and point to Pennsylvania and right. point to New it's, York. And it's say, Very probably close. like <laughs> two and a half, three hours from Pennsylvania. So it was, you know, something where like school trips and stuff we might go to New York and, um, I was enamored by New York City. It was just so much bigger than Harrisburg, where I'm from, and um, you know. So that I, I had my heart set on that. I Until applied to New York New York University for uh. their guitar program. Got in. Uh, got like my acceptance letter. The week later, got the tuition costs, which I didn't uh. receive in any like financial aid, unfortunately. And um, pro- this is probably something a lot of people have experienced, but had that sticker shock of like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Call this is how say, much is it's going to cost. Is there a typo here? Is it? Right. Because <laughs> it looks like you're telling me. I think at the time it was like 55 a year. I've heard it's way more expensive now mm. even. Um, and my parents kind of sat me down and said, look, you know, like you're going to be a musician. Um, I don't think you want those loans. You know, I don't yeah. think you want that on top of, of, of you. And, um, you know, you're not going to be a brain surgeon. You're not walking out to like... I was just going to say, if you were going to be a doctor... Go right. ahead. Exactly. It, You'll have that back. salary. And um, <laughs> at the time, I was quite 
angsty about the whole thing and I just I didn't really know what I wanted to do and um, so to be honest Nashville was the cheaper option <laughs> but was it ever on the radar was it was it kind of like well I'm gonna try for New York first it was New then... York Nashville LA in my mind so, like oh, those okay. are they're the three okay. that is like I need to go there if I want to do this um, LA was too far also expensive um, and Nashville just seemed like I mean, I got into Belmont, had, uh, you know, a bit of a guitar scholarship. And um, so I said, OK. And I, I actually, like, accepted, like, sight unseen. I auditioned via DVD. Like, I didn't even pay the money to fly down here because um, I was pretty much broke. <laughs> and um, when I came down here for orientation, it was my first time in the city. And, um, I mean, it was... I, I mean, for, flash forward four years, when I graduated, I actually... I had, was temping at a publishing company in town and they had offered me jobs in LA or New York because they had offices there and they're like, if you want to go, we'll, we'll give you a job. And I chose to stay here. So (laughs) just kind of shows how much I I love this. Let's send that clip into the, uh, to the tourism bureau of Nashville, whatever they go by. Listeners, last week on the show, you heard me say to Gigi Rich that, you know, I'm required by podcast law to ask you about having been on The Voice. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, And, you know, it's something that's going to follow you around for a while. And you have had great success on YouTube, and and people are always going to ask you about the YouTube success. But because we've we've been blessed to get listeners from the show from 134 countries around the world, there are people who are just being introduced to you for the first time and maybe don't know about this amazing success. Over a million subscribers, listeners, that Megan has on YouTube. You started the channel with your sister and, and mm-hmm. became known for the mashups that y'all were doing. You were coming home from work and you were doing these. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and take the story from there because um, I do want to know for the benefit of those who are listening that are up-and-comers themselves, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you have been very successful with monetizing YouTube. And so I want to yeah. know, like, specifically... Uh, is it just as simply as, sorry, Bruce, I wish it was this really exciting answer I can give you, but it's just the ad revenue. It's just having ads on my videos. Or is right. it more than that? Yeah. Um, so regarding the story of how it all happened, um, so I had taken classes in like everything at Belmont. I really had no idea when I graduated what I wanted to do. I was like, maybe I'll be a songwriter. Maybe I'll be a producer. Maybe I'll play guitar behind people on stage. I really did not have a clear, I knew I loved doing like being in music and being around music. Um, so when I graduated, I, I, you know, I was taking classes and everything before I graduated. And, um, so I, I started working as a temp in the music business, um, very underpaid. <laughs> um, and but I was record. I was just making things all the time, and I think um, that's what ended up paying off. Is that you know I would come home, I would record, I would write music. I was just constantly just making things and putting them online, putting them on SoundCloud. Um, and you know, my sister had come down to visit me from Pennsylvania for a weekend, and we ended up doing. Uh, the the first mashup that that we had released um and it was just kind of a fun thing didn't think much of it um and we made a video to it and my sister actually edited it because i wasn't very fond of the idea of doing a music video i was like we don't know what we're doing why would we do a video like and she was all about it so i was like okay so she talked me into doing it and we put it on youtube and you know i'd always shared things online constantly through from high school I used to share my tracks on like MySpace and like you know and people were always supportive you know who are in my life and and but uh it was the first time I noticed that 
someone like a friend had shared it on their Facebook page and then a friend of a friend who didn't know me had shared it and then a friend of a friend Wow! and it, it wasn't like it got a ton of views at first but I just kind of noticed that because I had always shared you things noticed, you noticed that other people were noticing right and and liking it enough to sh- want to show their friends mm-hmm. um, in a way that I would want to show you like a funny video like, yeah. or something and I had never experienced that with my music so something kind of went off like a light bulb and it it wasn't like it got a crazy amount of views. I think it had like a thousand views. And, but at the time I was like, man, this is, this is something I may be yeah, in. something here. So I, we did another one. She came down a few weeks later. We knocked out another one and it got maybe twice as many views. Um, and from then on, it was kind of a grind. I just, I kind of saw a door opening. Um, and at that point I still wasn't entirely sure what I was going to be doing with my <laughs> life. Uh, I was still working in the nine to five, uh, but it became the it became a grind for like a year of just because I was like I said I produce all the the music and and edit the videos now and um, you know do the arrangements and um, so yeah. yeah but it, that door had been opened to where you said okay I'm not really sure what I want to do but yeah. I'm starting to get an idea. I knew I didn't want to work a desk job anymore, <laughs> so I would work you know that during the day and then just pump myself up for going home and, and working late and um and it it slowly paid off you know um it was never i never had that moment where like a huge person shared my video and immediately mm. i was making a ton of money or it was, anything it was hard work it was it was and, a snowball and, and, and repetition and and yeah being being present i mean they always say yeah. that you have to you can't have these long gaps in time in between youtube it uh, mm-hmm. YouTube posts. In fact, listeners, uh, in a minute here, I'm going to ask Megan to, to really give us some specifics because I know that there's those of you who are listening who are up-and-coming artists yourselves and you're trying to do things like she's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are making videos, you may want to consider the Tascam DR10 series for the audio for your video. We are using right now the Tascam DR44WL. It's a handheld recorder that has become very easy for me to use out on location. I used to bring the Tascam Mini Studio Creator, which is an audio interface that you could use for your demos. People are recording at home with a lot of Tascam gear. Megan and I are talking into Tascam TM60 microphones right now. I have the Tascam TM280 at home that I like to use because it accentuates the low end, which I really like. There's a whole line of Tascam gear that if you listen regularly, you know that I'm using. I encourage you to look at their website, Tascam.com and see all the different things that they have. If you're someone who's to the point where you're touring all over the country and doing live shows like Megan is, you may want to look at some of the solutions that they have for recording your live show. If you're looking for a different type of recording to put out for your fans, it's all at Tascam.com, T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Yeah. So, for instance, I watched a video of yours last night. Now, mind you, this is from five years ago. Okay. But it was you and your sister doing a mashup. Right. And one thing that I did notice production-wise mm-hmm. is I thought... Okay, this is being shot with more than one camera. Yeah. And it doesn't look... At least one of these cameras is not stationary. Right. Neither one of the girls is holding a selfie stick. Right. So how are they pulling this off? So either talk about that Mm -hmm. and or fast forward to 2018 and and how Mm -hmm. you're pulling. Because I'm I'm thinking she's got someone there helping her out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean. These aren't just on tripods pointed at them and that's it. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've done videos different ways. Um, The predominant way that we do it is we record first and then we shoot. 
Um, so it's it's really like a music yeah, video. Yeah, because I, I'm, mm. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I should yeah. point out that that's another thing that I noticed was the audio for sure. Oh, thank so I thought you. this is not camera audio. No, I, I could tell. Not. I could tell immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is this is is what you're about to describe mm-hmm. um, to the listeners, especially those who are up and comers? Yeah. Are they are they righty way? Are they hearing dollar signs and thinking whatever she's about to describe? I bet you it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, no. Like the first year, year and a half, maybe uh, most of my equipment was borrowed from friends in Nashville. <laughs> um, I definitely did not have a lot of money, um, but I was not afraid to when as I started making money to put it right back into gear because you know the scary thing for me is always that idea that you can't make money until you make an album and you can't make an album until you make money and you're in that position where you have to ask people for money and it's just I was like as long as I, I can build my studio and I can make music in my bedroom I will like I, I just knew I would be all right so um that was one of my first sort of just investments was, was gear you know mm-hmm. upgrading the microphone upgrading the preamp upgrading the converters um but yeah the way the way we approach um the covers and this isn't for all of them we've had a a healthy mix of, of you know doing more live type um, recordings where I film and I, th- I think it's more obvious the ones those are obviously if it's outside and you don't hear birds <laughs> that's probably <laughs> a place or you don't see microphones outside um, but a lot of that is because so YouTube really doesn't pay a ton for musicians I hate to like break that <laughs> to anyone but um most of my income comes from spotify and itunes actually but how are you how are you monetizing youtube is it just simply ad revenue it is and there all? is ad revenue but it's really not unless you're getting millions it's not like a sustainable thing unless and part of that reason is because there's so many copyrights involved with doing covers um every time there's a copyright claim it's cutting the income in half when you're talking mashups you're talking quarter yeah you because know. you have cover songs that do typically get millions and i'm talking like five to ten million oh views, yeah but right but it's not it's not a huge money maker but what it is it's a platform and um you know that itunes and spotify that's that's the main sort of um you know the the main monetization um like that that I use. But so. with the videos, though, how funny mm-hmm. is it that a few minutes ago you sat there and you said that your sister edited the first one, and now oh, it's yeah. come full circle to the point where you're doing like, as I understand it, you're doing like color correction and everything. On oh these. yeah, when I like saw the the reaction to the first one, I mean that's when I dove into it, and <laughs> I was like, there's I, and and still, I mean, a lot of what I create, I'm just trying to. I'm continually trying to make it better. So I'm like, how, how do I, you know, so color correcting is one of those things. It's it's not something people realize, but everything you watch on TV and the movies, it's all been color corrected, similar to how all music is mixed. And it's, it really affects how it looks. And, um, what's your uh, software of choice for that? Uh, Final Cut Pro, and then I actually color in a program called DaVinci Resolve. And I think I didn't give you an opportunity to to talk about um, your hardware, the the setup of of some of these videos that you're doing. So early on... And and, and one more question that that fits with this. Um, Where is your sister these days? So my sister is currently in PA school. (laughs) So she's she's in grad school, actually. In, In what state? 
in Pennsylvania. She's okay. uh, she's at Hershey Med School, so she's uh, studying to be a physician assistant. So she's not here able to help you with these videos. Oh, so, no. So what is the hardware, and, and, and who all is helping you with these? Because I can't so imagine y- that you can pull these off on your own anymore. Um, so <laughs> the original hardware setup that I had, I believe it was an Apogee Duet for like the first two years. Um, a, TL, uh, a Neumann um, TLM-103. Uh, microphone that I had borrowed from one of my professors from Belmont <laughs> and every once in a while I'd run into him in Nashville and I'd be like, do you want your mic back? And he was like, are you using it? And I was like, yes. And, uh, and so I'd be like, that's fine. Then keep it and then get, get it back to me when, when you're making enough money that you can buy your own. And nice. I'm always so thankful to him for that. Uh, cause I definitely didn't have enough money to buy that microphone. And we had a full circle moment two years later where I, we had coffee and I gifted him the microphone back because I had bought one of my own. Um, but yeah. Uh, what so about cameras? Um, as far as cameras, I had a Canon T3i. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is one of the other benefits of pre-recording is, you know, you can uh, do different angles. Like you were saying, you were like, oh, what? you must have had five cameramen all on, you know, tripods or whatever. And we had one camera. So, um you know, by by having uh, the pre-recorded track, we were able to film it the way we wanted to from different angles. So, especially with the mashups, which have quite complex arrangements, being able to zoom in on the guitar during this part to really um, emphasize, you know, the part that I'm playing, and then go to Jacqueline, who's singing a completely different song, and you know, there's there's all a thought process behind that. It wasn't just. You know, blah. <laughs> Are you storyboarding um, this so that you know when when you're going to cut to a two shot and when you're going to, or is it just not storyboarding? But I will say, I think um, it, once I started editing more, I think there's a lot of similarities produ- to producing music. There's a rhythm to it, and I, visually, I, I once I started doing it, I started being able to see what I, I wanted it to be and and try to match that through the software and. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very hands-on. My sister can tell you this. And, you know, I, I, first of all, I produce, I record everything. Um, and then I direct every, so like when I'm not, I have, I have a camera, a few different camera people I'll work with depending on who's available, but they're, you know, they're setting up the shots and then I'm going behind the camera and, you know, moving things around and, um, you know, I'm very much, a part of the look of the video and because at the end of the day I have to edit it and it's one of the mm. worst things is when you get the footage back and you're like oh that's not what I was hoping for um, <laughs> but yeah there, so. and there's also the concern and, and I always think I, I'll never forget this story way 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 back on episode 61 of the show I guess it was Cena Earhart and she talked about making a music video for one of her songs mm-hmm. and almost getting chased away by the police for not having I've permissions I've totally got been so there so yeah. that's, I know that's something else that, that you are very aware of, very sensitive mm-hmm. to, is that you do have to get permissions for some locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, early on, it was very DIY, <laughs> guerrilla style. Like, And granted, we didn't have a large crew, so it wasn't super obvious. The Canon T3i we were using is a small camera. Um, so we didn't run into too many problems outside. Um, we did run into one issue at a building for our cover of bad blood. Um, we were filming and 
like three fourths of the way through filming, we had a build, building manager ran in, started yelling at us, like, "What are you doing mm. here?" And we <laughs> we thought we had permission. We had gotten permission for uh, there was some miscommunication, and um, he was basically threatening to call the police. It was it was a whole thing, and um, fortunately, you know, we got out of it. But it was a stressful scenario, and from then on, I've been <laughs> very diligent about uh, making sure we have the right permission. Yeah, I was going to gonna ask you, you know, what what is your advice to the aspiring performer that's listening? Is it is it is it air on the side of get permission even if you don't need it or is it you know hey it really depends Bruce if it's someone who's just doing a quick look just mm-hmm. run in and get it and get out and, or, or, if or it's a building that's owned by someone it's definitely like I would recommend getting permission <laughs> um you don't want to trespass uh but you know outside and if you're like we've run around the city and to all different places and corners and alleyways and done things and haven't really had too much of an issue if you don't have a huge crew and can get in and out it's you know if that's I think preferable. Um, there's actually a site called Ave that I use a bunch that, that it's like Airbnb for locations, basically. And it's in a few cities now and it's in Nashville, thankfully. And there it's just been a lifesaver for yeah, that. Listeners so. that spelled a V V a Y and Megan actually wrote a guest blog for them. Uh, if mm-hmm. you want to look that up. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if someone isn't returning your emails, keep in mind that they just flat out might not be getting them. Be creative, though, and use other tools to get to them. Slide into their DMs on Instagram, which you can then call attention to with a comment on a post. Do the same with Facebook Messenger and their latest post on there. Consider perhaps tweeting at them. Of course, you can always try to find a different email address, too. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. We're going to kind of transition into a different area here, but you actually posted about what I'm about to say in the YouTube community, but I've noticed more and more guests that I've been interviewing are starting to realize that vinyl is, mm-hmm. I don't want to say back, but it's its coming back. Yeah. Uh, and so you have announced that you're going into a studio in Brooklyn to cut live takes of a few of your favorite songs directly to mm-hmm. seven inch vinyl. Well, that so that actually already happened a few weeks ago. But yes, it, there's this really cool company out of Brooklyn that um, they basically have musicians come through and they record direct to vinyl, and you can place a special order to have your own um, live version. So I, I did several takes of different songs for for different people and um it was a really really cool special thing to be able to do for people yeah, yeah because isn't that what we were talking about earlier which is i will never perform a song the same way twice right. because you're saying 
hey, Linda, here's that song that you requested. I'm happy to play it for you. And am I, yeah. am I interpreting this correctly? And so mm-hmm. then you do it. It's not like, well, I only performed the song once, and then 36 times I said, hey, Steve, this one's for you. Hey, Barbara, this one's for right, you. Right, exactly. No, we, I, it, I actually sang the song like that wow. many times wow. for different people. Um, and, yeah, it was cool. You know, we limit it to a, to a certain amount sure, to sure. make sure I don't, like, you know, kill myself. But <laughs> it's... Uh, you know, that was, it was really cool to see that whole operation. And I think um, the people who ordered them are excited about it. So. And so here we are in late July, mm-hmm. Moonlight, talking about the, the second release from your current project. You can talk about that. You can talk about kind of this whole project in general. Again, for, yeah. for the listeners who are close followers of yours, as well as those who are meeting you for the first time, just let them know where we are in July 2018 with, with new Megan Davies music. Right. Um, so I've been off the road, I think, for about three months, and I'm going to be off the road for most of this summer, and I've just been writing a ton, um, been in the studio, been working with some um, really cool producers. I feel like I'm finally getting to that place where I'm, I'm more relaxed about collaborating with different creative minds, and it's been really exciting, and I've kind of found... Um, my voice inside a you know like a studio when you're working with a lot of different people it really is uh it's a different thing I think it's just it's one of those things like as an artist that you get better at every time you're in a studio and you know figuring out how to um get your creative ideas across but also you know when to let other people shine at what they do um it's it's really a fine balance um so yeah, that's it's been really exciting. I have I have some um, singles that are kind of locked and loaded that are coming up, and Moonlight's one of those. Um, and I think it's it's gonna be really fun. Singles that are locked and loaded uh, that will eventually lead to an EP release or a full album release, or we'll see. or is it just trickling out singles? Um, right now, it's, it'll be singles. Um, I released an EP last year. That was my first like original project, um, and that was honestly my um like resolution my new year's resolution was like i need to release like a project it just needs to come out like of original songs um and then once that was out you know it was such a making a like a body of work it's a long process and then there's just sort of one big release and then it's done um you know i I, this year i kind of told my management and i was just like I kind of just want to approach the originals the way I do my covers and just write them and finish them and put them out because um, the tools are there now for people to do that, you know, on Spotify. And, and it has become, as I've said a lot of times in the show, it has become a singles-driven industry. It really is. So, and, and since it's a great time for that, you know, that's, you know, because that, that was the thing with last year when we released the EP, some of those songs, by the time I was it was released, I was talking about it, we did them months ago, whereas Moonlight, which we're talking about now, that'll be coming out here soon, is, you know, we were just finishing up mixing for that, like, a few days ago, like, we finished up, you know, some bass parts, like, a week ago, it's, um, you know, it's so much more immediate, and I think that's just kind of the environment we're in, um, that being said, you know, I'm sure there'll be more album projects in the future, um, but right now I just I feel like I'm I've been creating so much that I just kind of want to get get things out there. And since we're not playing it on this episode of NHTE, just tell the listeners what is Moonlight about. So Moonlight's actually about um, so my prom night in high school. Um, my date and I left. 
prom early and probably after like one song <laughs> and we w- went with uh, two other friends of ours we drove down to baltimore from harrisburg wow uh did not tell our parents until <laughs> many years later um <laughs> and it was just kind of a magical night looking back at it now as an adult uh <laughs> now realize how dangerous of a city baltimore is in the middle Yikes. of the night for Yikes. minors but uh um <laughs> uh, it felt very magical i you know i never traveled much growing up as a kid and it felt just super like i mean i felt very free kind of sometimes like when i'm driving home from a show at like 2 a.m from far away on a wednesday night you know i i get that feeling again but um just it's kind of like living outside the boundaries a little bit and um that's what that song was about it 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 was about that night i like it yeah listeners you hear different music every week on nhte you hear the tune that plays under the bruce's bonus segment every week I don't know, maybe sometime I'll get the courage up and play a little something myself. It will be on my Boulder Creek guitar, and you'll be amazed at the sound. Wow. If, if you don't know about their bracing system, learn about it on their site. It's okay to not know. Learn about it on their site, and then you'll know why you hear such a big difference from a Boulder Creek guitar and why it has been chosen to be played by the likes of players with Fleetwood Mac, Rascal Flats, Pat Benatar, Pablo Cruz, and many more. Check out bouldercreekguitars.com. Don't forget the letter U in the word boulder, bouldercreekguitars.com. I'm speaking on location at the 2018 Summer NAM show with singer, songwriter, guitar player Megan Davies. Visit her official website at megandaviesmusic.com. We will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. To get the proper spelling of her name, just look at the title of this episode on your listening device and then go to megandaviesmusic.com. And she's very much on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And as we're going to talk about in just a minute here, you will find her music on Spotify. Although, as I always say, the best way you can support these artists, because they get a much bigger percentage, (laughs) is if you purchase it from their website, from iTunes, things like that. This show, you can find us on many social media platforms as well as many podcast platforms. Just go to nhte.net for all things Now Hear This Entertainment. There's icons that you can click on for the likes of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and as I said at the beginning of the show, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, the new Google Podcast app, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio. Spotify, mm-hmm. 1.7 million <laughs> monthly listeners on Spotify, 6.5 yeah. plus million streams per month. Back on episode 208 of the show, the very outspoken Blake Morgan talked about the closed-door heated session that he and several others were in at spotify Mm -hmm. and he was really coming down on spotify as i just finished saying these artists they don't get much except (laughs) except (laughs) when you have 1.7 million monthly listeners (laughs) on spotify 6.5 plus million streams per month and and i know this was all diy yeah for you Uh, yeah absolutely yeah spotify has been uh i mean it was reassuring to have that success on Spotify after only being on YouTube because, you know, there's some, there's something about just being on YouTube where I was like, oh my gosh, what if this like just crumbles? Like, what if YouTube just changes their algorithm? Yeah. You know, which they they've done plenty that have you know. It's funny whenever they would change an algorithm, like everyone's views would go up and down. You know, it's just it's crazy how much like out of control or, or as crazy I'd, as it sounds. You know, there was a platform out there called Blab that mm-hmm. was like hugely successful, and all of a sudden everybody woke up one day and they're like, oh, we're not going to yeah. do this anymore. Look at and it's Vine, crazy as anything. it sounds. Like, why would YouTube stop doing it? Right, and um, and that's you know again going back to like how I, I record my videos. You know. 
it was really important to me that the music exists outside of those videos and to have like tracks that can just not have a video and and I mean it's it's very fun to make the videos and I think um, they are able to com- you know to showcase uh, something that the audio can't in its in its own way but um, you know to have uh, audio that stands on its own uh, was really important that's well recorded and and well mixed um, and polished so um, yeah you know I, I with Spotify I think. Uh, you know, I, I put my music up very early on Spotify, um, like back like years and years went ago when everyone in Nashville was like, this is the death of streaming is the death of the music industry. You don't mm-hmm. pay. They don't pay anything. And I was just always sort of under the impression that like, just get it out. Like if someone I, I want anyone in the world, if they want to listen to my music to be able to find it however like easily but was it a strategy of yours you you created a playlist on spotify called feel good chill pop with yeah. like john mayer on there justin timberlake paramore mm-hmm. selena gomez ed sheer and uh beyonce it, was that a strategy of yours that i want people to find that playlist and then they'll find my own original oh, stuff yeah absolutely i mean like um i have actually have a lot of spotify playlists that aren't like published but i i'm always making playlists and that was one that we ended up you know pushing and I mean, I I don't have a ton of followers on that, but you know, the people who are interested in what I'm listening to, they're able to subscribe to that, and that's definitely a strategy artists use to make playlists. But I think the bigger strategy that worked for me, um, outside of just Spotify, is just putting your music everywhere because you know, obviously, right now everybody playing music is trying to get on Spotify playlists. They're trying to. Um, you know make these playlists and have you know their own playlists Mm -hmm. and have you know like all these different strategies to get spotify plays because that's where all the eyes are right now but the truth is it it changes all the time and there's probably something in the works right now that'll be huge in five years so you know i think for me like the strategy that worked with spotify was just getting my music on like literally back when all the YouTubers I know were like, no, we're not putting it on Spotify because hmm. you don't make any money. I want to keep it on iTunes only. And even big artists were saying that, you know, back in the day, there was a lot of people who had out for a long time thinking Spotify was this evil thing. And um, I put my music up and, and it, it, it uh, you know, I ended up gaining a following because at the time there weren't that many people doing like acoustic covers on Spotify. But to so. your credit, you've also said, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in just the YouTube basket. You don't want to put yeah. all your eggs in the Spotify basket. In fact, listeners talked before her EP released last year called Bad Poetry. The title track was played on Sirius XM's The Coffee House Station. So, you know, the, the moral of the story is that Megan has made sure that her music is all over the place and, and it has led to good things. I, I should have mentioned this in the intro, uh, a list of people that she's opened up for including Jennifer Hudson. Tell the listeners about this cool opportunity. I'm, I'm having trouble understanding. There's something missing here that I want mm-hmm. you to fill in the blank for. Yeah. So you were invited to L.A. to sing a cover of This Is Me, which yeah. is from the movie The Greatest Showman. Uh, you were invited to L.A. to sing a cover of that song in front of the cast. So the Zac Efron's, the Hugh Jackman's, the, the, mm-hmm. the people. And then, and then you got to sit down with the director and talk about the song. And, and then you got to attend the movie's premiere and walk the red carpet. Yeah, why? I don't Random, know. What am I right? missing? Like, how did they, how did they? Um, so this like, kind of goes back why to Megan Davies. Yeah, this goes back to YouTube. Because again, let me just clarify for the listeners: mm-hmm. you were invited to sing a cover 
Mm-hmm. Okay, this wasn't listeners. They didn't invite her to sing one of her own songs. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm wondering, how yeah. did you get this opportunity? Um, so this goes back to YouTube being in amazing amazing platform so um you know like i said it's not the big money maker in the music world that it you know other platforms are however it's a platform and when you have subscribers when you have people watching your content that's that's a powerful thing and you do have brands coming your way you do have a lot of times you'll see like this i i don't personally do a ton of this on my channel but this video is sponsored by much like how your podcast you know like if you had um, boulder creek guitars and tascam then oh absolutely and um that becomes a monetization option as you build your following as your content gets better and and you um increase the number of subscribers or people listening um those opportunities find themselves to you know to you and prior to the greatest showman opportunity the only sponsorships I'd really done on the channel were, um, you know, we did one with the Red Cross and we did one with the American Cancer Society. So it's kind of always been a creative decision of mine to, you know, because I'm able to monetize, monetize in other ways on Spotify, on iTunes, you know, to keep the channel relatively sponsor free. Um, this was kind of an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and it, it came directly actually from YouTube. Um, 20th Century Fox who produced the movie had reached out to YouTube and said we have this idea we want to get some YouTubers to come out sing for the cast post YouTube videos hopefully get the word out about the movie and how great the music is um, and hopefully give the YouTubers an experience of a lifetime to hang out with the cast and you know not only the cast but the songwriters of the musical um, you know who had also written like La La Land and were incredibly talented in their own rights and the director and you know, it was, and then on top of that, they, you know, it was a, it was a sponsorship deal. So they, you know, paid me a fee. But so did it was YouTube great. contact you directly or did they just yes. kind of put out a call? Oh, okay. YouTube okay. contacted me. Um, you know, YouTube, they, they definitely, um, you know, once you reach a certain following, they, you know, they'll reach out and they'll, I mean, they can, they have all your information, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah. And that one came from, you know, those types of things don't happen a lot, yeah. but, um, you but know, I wonder because you have opened for Jennifer Hudson and, and all these mm-hmm. others, did that opportunity lead to some of these other things or was it just kind of a, it was a one-time great experience, but mm-hmm. nothing more really sort of came from it. Um, I think there's there's definitely been things that have come from it you know it's first of all something to talk about so um, you know I had a a press week in New York a few weeks ago where you know we had some interviews that we might have not gotten um, with like bigger publications because I was able to talk about that experience Mm -hmm. going to the premiere and and then tie it all into my movie or (laughs) my movie my music my original music and use that to kind of promote things so um i I think it's just kind of shows the importance of saying yes to a lot of things (laughs) um i definitely get asked to do a lot of random things the the jennifer hudson opening content was actually a -A chick-fil-a related event which sounds super random yeah uh in dallas they had like flown me out was like a corporate event literally like stepped off stage and it was in an arena it was like the biggest venue i'd ever played i did not expect it stepped off stage and jennifer hudson stepped right i had no idea i was even opening for her oh my gosh i just had said yes to this you know this one gig um 
<laughs> it's it really is a funny industry how that that works sometimes. One last question, and then and then we'll just have you talk about the closing song before we wrap up. But yep. uh, is the reason that you're off the road because you're working on music, or is it because at the, as I said at the outset of the of the show, listeners, in the last 14 months, check this out. Megan has played at South by Southwest in March. She's played at some terrific venues, the Mint in Los Angeles, several House of Blues locations. Again, here we go with with Rockwood Music Hall. It seems to be coming up a lot. Janice Live, which is in my backyard over in St. Pete. The Fillmore in San Francisco, and then other cities, Columbus, Chicago, a couple Canadian cities, the corner state, as I like to call it, (laughs) Washington State, Atlanta, Arizona, Colorado, Kansas, Philadelphia. Nashville. Wow. I mean, that sounds to me like a good reason to take a few months off the road like you're doing now. Is that, yeah. is that why? Because you did so much or is it to focus on music or what? Yeah. You know, I think... I should um, say focus on uh, recording new original <laughs> music. Sorry. Yeah. I, I feel like there's two very different parts of my career. Um, one of them is on the road, the hectic schedule, but waking up every day and playing in front of an audience and, I mean, building your skills every night where it's just like the show gets better and better and just it's, um, it's kind of like riding like a wave in a way it's just adrenaline and honestly one of my favorite things um but and then there's you know sitting in in my studio at home and writing and and it's very it's it's honestly could not be two more opposite these two different worlds and um you kind of go back and forth between them and and yeah you do have to kind of take a take a break and um you know, transition back to the other side because ultimately it's the songs that you write, you know, in your bedroom that you play on the road. So So you gotta, you gotta create more so you can go back out and play more. Exactly. Uh, Well, we're going to close today by playing another one of yours called doesn't matter, which we can kind of tie everything together now because there is a great video for this song, but tell the listeners uh, the meaning behind the song and, and, and even, you know, the effect that it's had. Uh, on, on listeners absolutely um, doesn't matter is is the newest single um, before moonlight and um, in a way it's it's a letter to myself in high school um, I suffered from depression in high school like I think a lot of kids have and um, low self-esteem and at times it was really difficult to look towards the future and to imagine um, my confidence ever growing or ever feeling comfortable in, in a room full of people and um And, you know, it was a reflection of that looking back. um, You know, I I wrote it with um, Bonnie Baker and Karen Kozowski, two other incredible female musicians in town. Um, And we actually, you know, spent a few hours just talking about our own, like, experiences. And we're just kind of bonding over over how how similar it can be. Um, And... You know, I started playing it on tour probably like a year and a half ago, and I was playing it at every show and slowly realizing that people were connecting with it in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, bell kind of went off in my head. I was like, I, I need to get this one out there. Um, finally got it recorded this spring, and uh, we did a music video, which was my first sort of proper music video outside of like a performance type of video. And um, ha- director Patrick Mason, um, who's someone I connected through the internet, you know, like I found his work, mm. lives in Virginia, um, wow. reached out to him, said, I-, I love what you do. Can we figure out how to work together? And he listened to the song and had a story in mind that was his own story, which, you know, was a boy who's afraid to take off his shirt at the pool. Um, And so we kind of put a different story to the song. But I think it kind of just goes to show that there's a lot of different stories that apply to that concept. So. 
Well, Megan, this has been great. And uh, listeners, I do certainly encourage you to, to go and watch that video. I, I watched it, I think it was last night, and it is very well done. Congratulations on everything and continued best wishes. I know we're going to continue to hear a lot from all things Megan Davies. Thanks for making time to do this today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's great. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Megan Davies. Visit her official website at megandaviesmusic.com. As I said, we will have a link to that on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Engage with Megan on social media. That means like her Facebook page. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Join the millions that have subscribed to her Mm -hmm. YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell her that you heard her and her music. I now hear this entertainment. As you heard, she has new music being released. So do support her by purchasing her music. It's streaming on Spotify, but we encourage you to purchase it from iTunes and other traditional online realtors. Keep up with all things Megan Davies online so that you can continue to see the news that she's putting out. As for our show, nhte.net is the internet home. Go there and find links to all of our social media platforms as well as the various podcast platforms where you can subscribe and listen to NHTE. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Megan Davies. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Doesn't Matter. Held my head low as I walked through the hallways of lockers and teenage jokes. And I'm broken, second guessing the clothes that I left my home And boys don't cry, and girls stay young Adults don't lie, they can't be wrong Now I, I can't seem to find my place But I'm closer than yesterday Wish I figured it out when the whole world felt so strange that it matters, it matters, it matters until it doesn't matter. Oh, it matters, it matters, it matters until it doesn't matter. Yeah, I loved him the way that I learned from the movies with beautiful stars, but I didn't. I just thought that I did. Yesterday, wish I'd
anymore.